Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Grounded Roots with Sam Black. Sam is a certified psychic medium, wellness coach, and is the executive director of Grounded Roots Wellness Incorporated and is your answer to finding wellness in every area of life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Grounded Roots with Sam Black. I'm your host, Sam Black, coming live from Niagara Falls, Ontario, and I am so excited to be back here again today. This is the second episode today of our Women in Business series, and we have three episodes um, today, and this series will continue on until next week when we'll wrap up on Thursday. So I'm so excited to join you again today. This series really is about empowering women. Now, whether you're in business or not, or just wondering what that next step might be, we have so many inspirational guests on this series, and they will give you so much insight as to what it's like to be a woman in business, how to find your passion and harness it and turn it into an income generating source. So, um, so just, Stay tuned and find your favorite guests and feel free to follow them and connect with them again because they're some pretty inspirational people. We're so blessed to have them join us. And today is definitely no different. This episode is going to be fabulous. I would love to introduce our next guest, Catherine. She's calling in from the UK and she has a wonderful business and she juggles that with her beautiful family. And so Catherine, welcome to Grounded Roots. Hi, thank you so much, Sam. I'm so excited to be on. Wonderful. So you haven't always been in the UK. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became to settle there? So yeah, so I actually started studying linguistics in university in the US. Um, And as a result, I went to China and I lived in China in Shanghai for three years. And that's where I met my husband, who's English. So after living in China for three years, we went to Australia where I studied massage therapy, which is how I got into the sports and remedial massage. And when we left Australia, because he was English, um, we thought we'd move to London. So that's how I ended up in the UK, coming from originally the United States. I love that. And I love how you both were just in the right place at the right time on the other side of the world. And that's how you were able to connect. It obviously was meant to be. Yeah, yeah. It seems that way. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So being in the UK now and having been trained in Australia and Mm -hmm. some of your other education being in the U.S., did you Mm -hmm. find you had any special process or recertifications or anything like that that you had to go through? So yeah, so I was actually pretty lucky because the training that I'd done in Australia was transferable. When I got to the UK, I first started working office work just to find out if I could work as a massage therapist, and I found a professional body. And they reviewed my certifications from Australia and determined that I was eligible to work in the, in the UK. But what I would recommend, if anybody's looking at transferring over, it varies from country to country. So I know, I I understand that if I were to go back to the U.S., I might not be able to work as a massage therapist long term because I think they have different licensing rules. 
So if anyone's thinking about kind of transferring over, it's always a good idea to check before you move so you know what the requirements are. Yeah, and that's such a great um, piece of advice because our world is not as, as large as it used to be. You know, there's so many opportunities for us to relocate and to take our knowledge with us. But it's so important to check with those local colleges or those local or author, um, authorizations to see if we are in fact able to practice in different places. I know I have a good friend who practices law um, and she was before uh, she had her master in social work in the US, but in Canada, her master of social work was the equivalent of a BSW, not an MSW. And so you really have to be careful as far as how are your credentials transferable. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm so glad for you that it worked out and that you were able to practice there and offer your wonderful skills. Mm, yeah, me too. So can you tell us a little bit about your practice? Okay, yeah. So um, I have a sport and remedial massage therapy clinic in East London, and we have two locations, um, kind of fairly close to each other, so clients can go to either one but far enough away that they're kind of in different areas. I have um, five of the therapists that work with me at the moment. Four of them are offering massage therapy as well because that's kind of our main offering. And we also have a reflexologist who works with us. Oh, that's fantastic. And um, do you each have different specialties or is everyone pretty even as far as that goes? Yeah, so we we kind of focus on being sport and remedial massage therapy. But as the as I've kind of had more therapists come on and they maybe come with pregnancy qualifications or deep tissue massage or they have different things that they can offer, I try to integrate that into the practice because it doesn't really make sense to me to have someone who can offer something and then not offer it. Um, but long term, I would like to start bringing on some different therapies so we're a little bit more diversified. I love that. I love that. And we had Sam Avery on yesterday, and she's a massage therapist here in northern Ontario. And mm. one of her specialties is doing craniosacral therapy. Is that a big thing in the UK as well? I feel like it is, because I don't think I'd heard of it so much before I moved to the UK. And I do know a lot of practitioners here who do that. It's definitely very specialized. I've done a workshop in it and I think it is very amazing. It's really good, but it's not something that any of our, our therapists offer. Yeah, I think it's really great. I had never heard of it before. And then when I was, um, I was in a car accident a few years ago, I was hit by an impaired driver and the concussion headaches, we weren't finding any relief. And I had a couple people say to me, oh, you need to go get craniosacral therapy. And mm -hmm. it was absolutely amazing, although it's not, it's not deep tissue, it's very um, low impact, but it yeah. actually relieved the headache for, I think, a full hour. And um, I was over the moon just to have that short-term relief even. So it's really cool how we can bring different modalities and join them to help um, different clients. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the challenges you faced um, getting your business up and running? You have two locations, which I'm sure keeps you busy. Um, what, yeah. what kinds of things popped up for you that you weren't really expecting? I think... Um, you know, when I started it, I wasn't 
being super intentional about being a business. I kind of wanted to have my own clinic, so I found a room that I could rent. And then after I had my first son, I realized that I didn't want to work 40 hours a week, which is kind of what you need to be doing if you're, at least for me, that's what I would have needed to do to justify having the space all the time. So I started to bring other therapists on. And, you know, it's interesting, I think, being a woman and being a boss because there's certain behaviors that we're taught as women are acceptable as, you know, you're supposed to be nice and you're supposed to be considerate and you're not supposed to be very direct or straightforward with people, which when you're kind of trying to run a business, it can be difficult to maybe be consistent with those expectations. So one of the things that came up for me, I felt a couple of times early on, was that I would kind of give direction to people, and always in a respectful way, like never being rude or or mean or bullying. But I would say, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Let me know if you have any questions. And um, get challenges in a way that, you know, you can't say for sure, but it did kind of feel like to me, if I were a man, would you be responding to me like this? Or would you just do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I hadn't expected those challenges when I opened our wellness center either. But I can say for sure, especially um, during like construction process and with some of our staff um, early on, um, you know, I didn't get the same response that my husband would get from people, especially calling around for construction quotes. Um, Yeah. Which was interesting because I was the one who would have been paying them. (laughs) But, you know, Chris would get a much different response than I would. So um, it's quite quite interesting to see how that dynamic in this year, 2016, we're still facing those gender inequalities. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, when I was meeting with accountants after I'd opened my business for, oh, I think it had been like a year or two, and I was like, okay, I need an accountant. I met with an accountant who asked me if my business was for PIN money. Really? Yes. He said, so is this, and and I said, PIN money? Like, is this the 50s? I don't, (laughs) I I was so shocked that he, I was like, I have a business. It's, it makes money. It's not, you know, it's not my hobby money. And I think this is another challenge sometimes women face when they start a business and maybe it comes out of an interest and they're selling a product and it's like, oh, well, it's a hobby. Like, well, no, it's still a business. Like, I'm still making money and I'm I'm running things just because it's something I enjoy uh, or maybe it's not as much income as my husband's. Does it make it less valid? Absolutely. And you know what? The reality is I hope everybody is doing something they love Hmm. because life's too short otherwise. But that doesn't make it a hobby. Like a lot of work goes into running a business. We invest a lot of time, a lot of money. Um, We sacrifice sleep. You know, that's Hmm. not a hobby. Yeah, no. So that's so interesting that that was his approach. I'm assuming you chose a different accountant. Yeah, no, I wasn't serious. It was actually kind of funny because when I went to meet him, I was we were meeting at a Starbucks and I kind of walked up to the Starbucks and I was, you know, kind of looking around to see who the guy might be that I was meeting. And there was this kind of scruffy looking guy 
with a corduroy suit on outside. I met, I had gotten in touch with accounting, like agency that would hook you up with like three or four different accountants to interview. And I saw this person and I just was like, as long as it's not him. And it was him. And I was just oh like, my no. goodness. So you knew right away he wasn't a good fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. So how about juggling the different spaces? Like how are you organizing your time so that you can um, manage both locations, work from home and have time with your family? How does that work for you? Well, I think one of the keys is to, it's not easy, but it's to try to place as much importance on activities in your personal life as you do with your work life. So a lot of people talk about work-life balance, and it's almost like they're defining their life as not working. So it's like as long as I'm not working then a certain amount of time, then I have a good work-life balance. Whereas I try to define it as, okay, what do I want to be doing with my personal life? How many times do I want to be going to the park with my kids or having a family outing or spending time with my husband or, you know, like just like painting with the boys? And then I try to make sure that I'm putting blocks of time in to do that along with working. So then even if I'm working a lot, I feel like because I'm scheduling in and the self-care as well, you know, like getting a massage or going for reflexology or having like a relaxing bath, whatever you need to do to replenish yourself, as long as I'm doing that, then I usually worry less about how much time I'm spending working. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And and I think I have a very similar approach to that. You know, for example, this weekend, I'm training um, some wonderful people to become life coaches. So I know that my weekend work wise is booked. Um, mm -hmm. So what the way I manage that is the Saturday, I make sure that we go out for dinner because I'm hmm. giving up that cooking time instead to go for a walk or take the kids to the festival of lights or whatever it is and go for a nice dinner. Um, and then on the Sundays, we always plan an outing. So I usually finish hmm. up early on these weekends and the kids know to expect that that'll be, you know, a family night. We'll either go to a movie or a show or, or bowling or something um, and then head home and wrap up the weekend but mm. it's really important. It's not necessarily saying, you know, one hour for work for one hour of home time. It's about how are we spending and making quality of that time that we have. So I really, I love that approach and I love the time blocking because it really, it makes sense. It's visual and, mm. you know, we can, we can really see where our time's going that way. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things, it's really easy to fall into this habit of, well, if I'm not spending, you know, three or four hours a day with my kids, or if I'm putting them in front of the TV for an hour to work on the computer, I'm going to feel guilty. But at some point, I kind of realized, what is the value of me being with them if I'm not fully present? And isn't it better to have them, say, go to the childminder for two or three hours so I can get some focused work done, and then when I'm with them, I can focus. So even though the overall time with them might be slightly less, the quality of the time that I have with them is better. I love that. And I love that you're utilizing other resources. So you have your childminder who can help you for a couple of hours. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I talk to a lot of women entrepreneurs who are feeling two things. Either they feel guilty because, you know, they, they don't want someone else getting that quality time with their child, or mm-hmm. they struggle with spending the money to invest in that quality time so that they can get done. And what I really help them to understand is that, you know, first of all, it takes a village to raise a child. No one person can do that whole job or nor should they because everyone has something to contribute. But like you said, if you can't be fully present, it's best to have another plan. And, you know, I love that you utilize other resources and that you are very realistic with your time and what it means to have that work time to focus so that you can be fully available to your children. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's great. So how do you, um, how do you find you are managing with the two different locations? Like how does that work out? Um, So, I tend to split my time between the two and the second location at the moment, it's only a part-time location. So we're renting a room at an osteopathy clinic a couple of days a week. And actually the primary reason that I wanted to have a second location is I read, I think it's like winning without losing tips for being an entrepreneur, work-life balance, something. Um, And he said, you should always have a plan B. So if something goes wrong, you're not stressed. You just go, okay, this is the plan. And what I realized is that when you have a service like ours, which is on site, you know, you have to actually be there with someone and like have a massage table. If something were to happen to my second, to my first location, I wouldn't have a business. I wouldn't have anything to offer. So after a few years, I decided to find a second location that even if it wasn't full time, it would mean that, you know, God forbid something happens to the first location because I don't know if you know, (laughs) you're probably aware, a few years ago in London there were riots and um, a practitioner in North London's clinic got burned down and so he didn't have anywhere to work. So by having that second location, I'm able to have a backup plan and it doesn't actually take that much additional management because I'm renting from someone else. Yes, it's a little bit more expensive that way, but it means that I have to do less upkeep and then just focus on the marketing for that location. That's fantastic. So first of all, I would love if you could share that article on the event page um, because I'd love to read it too. Secondly, I'm blown away that someone would blow up someone's clinic because well, it wasn't you're helping professionals. Yeah, okay. I think it was he was he was in somewhere. It was one of I mean, at that time I think there was a lot of anger around kind of some of the stuff that had happened and I'm not justifying yeah. it at all. But um he just happened to be in an area where there was a lot of destruction. So oh my I think it was like a side effect that, you know, people were doing this stuff and then his clinic was inside of a building that somehow caught fire whether like I don't know if it was intentional or if it was a side effect but yeah because I remember they were talking to me if I could maybe let the guy use my room for a little while because it was in a different fitness first because we're in a fitness first in East London um, because this had happened because you know he didn't have his clinic 
You know, I just, that never occurred to me, but you're totally right. Like if something were to happen, God forbid, um, you know, whether there be a fire or a weather related storm or who knows, you know, um, it does take time to rebuild. And certainly I have heard of other businesses that have had, you know, fires during a night or something like that. And they're really left without any option really for Mm. uh, over a year in some cases, because by the time they deal with insurance and rebuilding. um, So, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but you're so right. Like having that option of another location, especially if you're a service-based business um, is Mm. a really good idea. And there's also, I think that idea around when people go to your website and see that you have two locations that really sends Mm. the message that you're busy enough that you need two locations. And if Mm. we look at that whole law of attraction thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I really think that would help you become busier. Now, is that in fact what happened when you opened the second location? I'm not sure if I necessarily tracked it enough, but I definitely feel like it makes us appear more established because we have two locations. So people will see us and be like, okay, they're offering um, in a couple of different places. So it just makes you seem a little bit more stable as a company, I think. So I think that's I agree really with you great. in principle. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Now, also, you're in an osteopathy clinic for your second one. Do you find you're able to share um, referrals and clientele? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, I think it's always important wherever you are to get to know the other people where you're working. Um, And so the osteopaths will refer people to us. There's other practitioners in the clinic as well. So I try to get to know them where I can, and then we can kind of refer people on. I had somebody who was calling for lymphatic drainage, and we don't offer that. But then one of the other massage therapists, who work not with us but in the osteopathy clinic um, did. So we were able to share her information. And I think that just means that you're better able to serve your clients as well. Absolutely. And some people try to take it all on and do it all themselves. But, you know, I say this over and over again, there is more than enough business for all of us. So it's always a great idea to create a referral sheet in your community, know who does what, what is their specialty, get to know them, see if you guys click, and do referrals to other people because your clients also respect your honesty if you say, sure, I could do that for you, but actually this person over here is the expert in that. Um, And then them being able to do the same for you in return, I think that really goes a long way with your authenticity and integrity. True, and I think we need to remember that like people are different, and people have different personalities. So even if you offer quote unquote same therapy, your style is going to be different to someone else's, and you know you might be able to tell that someone would be better suited for someone else. And you're absolutely right; people will respect you if you're honest and you say, you know, I think this person would be able to address your concern more effectively um, in this specific case versus trying to take something on and then not giving the the level of service that you'd hope to give to your clients. Absolutely, because the goal really is to give be of service and to give the mm-hmm. best service that we can. Um, so I love that that's your approach, and that's certainly how we work as well. 
Um, so one thing I'm wondering is that what inspired you to go into massage therapy? Well, um, I had a few jobs before I became a massage therapist. I worked freight forwarding. I taught English as a second language. I um, it's, it's a pretty long list. Uh, but one of the things that really struck me, I studied massage initially because it was an interest. Um, I didn't know if I would be able to pursue it as a job, but I thought it would be nice to be able to help people. So I started to study massage. And then when I was in the UK working in an office and I wasn't working as a massage therapist, but I was thinking about one of my clients and I realized that it wasn't annoying me that I was thinking about massage. Like, have you, have you ever worked in an office and like you go home and you're thinking about work at night and you're like, why am I still thinking about work? I don't want to be thinking Absolutely. about work when I'm not at work. Um, and I was like, not at the clinic. And I thought, I'm thinking about massage and I like it. And so I realized that I, I could think about it all the time and I would still enjoy it. And that to me was a big indicator that it was something that I should uh, pursue as a full-time job. Um, and I just love, I love helping people feel better. I love helping people learn more about how their body works and how they can take better care of themselves. And I really love showing people that some of the aches and pains that they maybe thought they had to live with because that's just the way life is, because they're older, because they're always at a desk, are actually addressable. And the look on people's faces when they don't have pain that they've been having for months or even years, I think, is priceless. And you know what? I love that. First of all, I love that you love what you're doing. And our clients pick up if we don't love what we're doing. You know, time and time, how many people have said, you know, um, you know, my child's teacher should never be a teacher. You know, people pick up <laughs> if you don't like your your job and you're counting down till Friday. They can feel it. But the mm. other thing is, it's a being of service and how can we help you? Like, how can we find your pain point and mm. make it better for you? And certainly massage therapy has the power to do that. And I know for Chris and I, watching people come out of our float pod therapy. And, mm. you know, we had one lady on the weekend. She came back the next day. She came oh, wow. on the one day. She came back the next day. And she said, for 20 years, I have not slept. And I slept through the night last night. And I still feel great. Oh, you know, fantastic. little things like that. If we can find a modality that helps people feel better, especially if they think they're going to be feeling that pain for the rest of their life. Can you imagine having something and you just accept, okay, well, the doctor said it's there forever. I'll just have it for the rest of my life. And, yeah. you know, part of what we really do is encourage you to get in the driver's seat of your own well-being and see what options are out there for you. Um, mm. You know, no one can promise that you'll be 100% again, but if you can take steps to feel like you're getting there, what a difference that makes. So I love that you are sharing healing and that you are really promoting people to find ways of making their lives better because that's their life quality. That's what it really comes down to. Mm. Yep. So as a massage therapist, your body also takes a lot of, a lot of work. Um, 
Now, what are some strategies that massage therapists can take to kind of help that impact a little bit on their own bodies? Well, I think that if you're a massage therapist, the number one thing you've got to be really aware of is your posture when you're working and how you're applying pressure. So at our clinic, we have a low-cost clinic where we take newly qualified therapists and train them while they work with uh, clients who maybe don't have as much expendable income. So it's a lower price clinic. Um, and one of the things that I work with therapists a lot is how to apply pressure so that they're not straining their body unnecessarily and how to be holding their body posturally so they don't have aches. So like I can work, you know, seven or eight hours of appointments in a day and I'm not really that much worse for wear at the end of it because I know how to self-manage. So if you're a massage therapist, it's really important to learn how to hold yourself and how to work effectively so that you can have longevity in practice because a lot of people who are massage therapists really go too hard too soon and they don't use the right techniques. So they get a lot of wear and tear and can't work very long. Um, and then I would say another thing is get a massage yourself at least once a month. Services because one, it's really good for you to keep on top of what's going on with your body and self-maintenance and, you know, you can only do so much to yourself. But also reminds you how it feels to be a client so you can be more mindful of how you're treating people. Like if someone drops your arm when you're on the table or brushes their leg against you when they're doing a massage, you if you feel that, you'll be more aware of that when you're working with people. So I'd say those are my two top tips is to get a regular massage yourself and to make sure that you're um, eating the right things and holding yourself the right way, um, applying pressure in the right way. So, so Catherine, if you could just repeat that last bit um, that you said, because I feel there's been a little bit of static on the line. Okay. Uh, Okay, so we're having a little bit of static right now. So what I really want to reiterate is Catherine's sharing with us there's some really great um, keys here. As a massage therapist, you want to be sure that your posture is great, that you're taking care of your body, and as part of that, that you are going for a massage yourself once a month. And, you know, yesterday we were talking with Sam Avery about that and the importance of um, having that massage and also being able to trade services. So it doesn't necessarily have to cost anything if you're doing a trade with another massage therapist. But I really love Catherine's point about how then you're feeling what it's like to be a client. And I think sometimes we get so busy with our business that you know we, we need that reminder sometimes about what is it that the clients are experiencing and how can we make that even better. So I totally love that that's Catherine's philosophy. And you know, Catherine, I really, really enjoy how you are mentoring new massage therapists so that they can start their business off on the right foot and take care of their body right from day one so that they're not ending up with these issues. Like carpal tunnel, I know is a big one. Um, issues with back and neck as well, I've heard other massage therapists say. So I really love how you are helping them right at the beginning of their business to get them off on the right foot so that they can have a full day of healing others without feeling depleted themselves. Mm. 
Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think it's one of the things that is maybe could do with a little bit more development in our industry. Absolutely. And you know what? It's, I really feel, too, it comes down to that whole mentality of we can't ask for help. I don't know that that's a global issue, but certainly I hear about it a lot here in North America. And I hear a lot with my friends who have been working in the UK or Australia where they feel isolated almost as though they shouldn't ask for help because if they're an expert in their field, then they wouldn't need it. But the reality is, Anytime that we ask for help or we get some mentoring or whatever the case may be, do some, you know, brainstorming with a colleague, we're just improving our practice. It's, um, it's a wonderful thing to, to hear how other people are doing their business and what's working for them and what isn't, because then we can all learn and grow together. So I mm-hmm. love that you are giving back to your, to your community that way. And you've actually won a few awards as well for your work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, Yeah. So we, last year in 2015, I won the Excellence in Client Service Award from the Federation of Holistic Therapists. And that is a practitioner-based award. Uh, The Federation of Holistic Therapists is the largest, I believe it's the largest professional body of complementary therapists in the UK. So beauty therapists and massage therapists and other alternative therapies. Wow. Uh, This year, yeah. And then this year, the clinic won an award. Uh, So Cam Expo is the big exhibition for complementary therapies, and they do a clinic of the year award every year. Clinic one for that, and it was a lot for the low cost clinic and the therapist training that we do, and we offer a lot of resources. So, I feel very honored um, that the work that we are doing is being recognized in the industry. That is so amazing, and I love that it's the fact that the ways that you are being of service and you're offering service to people who otherwise wouldn't be able to access it. Those were the mm. things that were recognized. And it just keeps coming back to be of service. If you if you have something to share, share it, and it will come back to you. I really mm. love that. You must be doing a great job. <laughs> well, well, I hope so. So what do you think are the next steps for you in your business? Um, well, at the clinic, um, I'm looking into seeing if we can start potentially offering workshops. Uh, I've been looking at a couple of spaces so that we can have a larger space to uh, train people in group settings. But it's a little bit hard in London. It can be very, very hard to find premises. So fingers crossed we can find something. And continuing to work in the low-cost clinic. Uh, One of my big goals for 2017 is to find out a way to support some community-based charities through the business as well. So in 2016, we did we sponsored a charity race for one of our local sports clubs, and we raised some money for a hospice. Um, but I think next year I'd, I'd like it to be something that's built into our business model. So we're regularly supporting uh, both through financially, but also through our skills. So I mean, I I haven't looked into it very much, but along the lines of 
like helping homeless people or uh, there's like a local night shelter or uh, children with special needs or some things along the lines of there because I think uh, if you can build giving back into what you're doing, it makes it a lot easier to do it than if it's just something you're trying to fit in on the side. I totally agree. And that's really where your expertise is. So that's the greatest gift you can give anyhow. Mm. Yeah, and I guess I should also probably mention um, I've got this side business that I am working on, which is to help busy people get more organized, to to make it kind of easy. Uh, So I'm going to be looking at um, offering some online courses in the coming year, and we do I do a kind of a monthly habit of the month so that you can pull in one habit that's going to make you more organized. So I'm going to be developing that. And then to build on the resources for massage therapists, I have my personal blog and I have a few I have a few blog posts up there now for massage therapists and around business and life. So I'll be expanding on that as well, time permitting. Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I was going to ask you about organize everything. Um, you know, it's the time of year where people are wrapping up the year, they're trying to get organized. You know, I find um, with people, there's always two times of the year where we want to start fresh, often in September when school starts, and again in January with the new year. So what would you say is your biggest suggestion for this month for people to get organized to start the new year off on the right foot? Um, so I think the the number one thing that you should probably think about is what is the thing that is causing you the most stress in your life as far as disorganization and then identifying one thing that you can do with that. So, for example, if you're a mom and you're trying to get the house, uh, if that's your kind of main stress in your life, you can do things like have a night before checklist where you get things ready the night before and then do it. Or if it's about having clean clothes in the morning when you're leaving for work. So because everybody's coming at like organization or lack thereof from a different angle, if you take five to ten minutes to identify what you need the most help with, and actually on the website on Organize Everything, I have a free three-day mini course that you can sign up for, and it takes you through three days of identifying where your disorganization is costing you the most Um, time, money, and stress, and then that way you can figure out what you need to focus on the most so you can go into the new year with a plan to kind of address that thing. So you're spending uh, your time on what's going to give you the biggest benefit. I love that. I really love that. And, you know, I really encourage everyone to go on to the Organize Everything website and check that out. I know I certainly will be. And remember that stress in our life, it is clutter. So if Mm -hmm. you kind of look at it from that angle, if you have clutter in your living room and you know that you have company coming, you're going to tidy that clutter up. So think Mm -hmm. about stress in your life and you know that it's causing you pain. What are the best ways you can tidy it up and which stresses are necessary that you do have to tackle And which are ones that you can maybe let go of and don't need to carry around with you anymore? Because some stresses we actually create for ourselves. Mm, That is very true. So what would you say um, that you do for inspiration on days when you're feeling stuck or stressed? 
So I think the first thing is to let yourself feel kind of down. I think a lot of us think that if we're running our own businesses and trying to be great moms and great wives and great everything, that it's not okay to not always have it all together all the time. So when I'm feeling a bit down or stuck, the first thing that I do is give myself a few minutes to just feel that way. Um, And then I'll usually try and write down either making a list of things that I want to do that day or that week, or I might journal a little bit to get some of my feelings out. And then I try to identify just like a five-minute task that I can do that doesn't take too much mental effort, but will get me closer to one of my goals. So then when I sit down and do that task, it usually starts to help build up some motivation. You feel a little bit better about yourself because you're doing something and making progress, but it's not like a huge leap Like you're going to sit down and write an entire blog post if that's not what you love to do. So I think that's kind of my three-step strategy, if you will. I really love that. And I like how you define it as like a five-minute activity that you can do. I know sometimes when people are feeling overwhelmed and stressed, everything looks like a really big job. So for some of my clients, I even encourage them to make a couple lists of these are five-minute jobs, these are 20-minute jobs, and these are 30-minute jobs, so that, first of all, they don't feel like they're wasting time, but also so that if they're in that space where they can say, okay, I have so much stress going on, I really need a break, but I'm going to feel guilty if I stop. They can take Mm. one of those five-minute jobs to do, get that done, And then have that conversation with themselves about, okay, I accomplished that. And now I need to accomplish this for me. Almost like currency. Yeah. And, you know, there are ways to declutter. So I really encourage everybody go on Catherine's website, the organize everything and check that out. Because in addition to all the wonderful work she's doing with massage therapy and being in business and motivating and inspiring other young entrepreneurs and other massage therapists, She also has got some great strategies for keeping everyone organized and helping them feel really good, not just professionally, but personally, because there has to be that balance there. So Catherine, before we wrap up, how can everybody connect with you? Well, I would say I'm happy if people would like to be directed to any specific resources for them to send me an email at Catherine at at LeightonSportsMassage.com. Um, And then if there's anything in particular that they'd like more information on, I can put them in the right direction. Wonderful. And certainly I have your blog highlighted on the description for this show, as well as your website for Leighton Sports Massage. Now, what is the website for Organize Everything? So Organize Everything is Organize spelled the English way, which O-R-G-A-N-I-S-E everything.co.uk. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today because you're certainly a wealth of information and I love how authentic you are. You're very refreshing. Oh, thank you, Sam. I've had such a good time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, It has definitely been fun. And maybe we will make it out there to Niagara Falls sometime to try your float tanks. Oh, I would love that. And I'll get to see your boys. Yes. We are still talking about you, by the way. There's like, is it Sammy? 
Yes. Oh, that's so cute. I know. I told my husband about them that night, too. They're so adorable. Okay, have a great day, Catherine, and thank you so much. I know you're heading into supper hour there. Um, and yeah. for everyone listening, I will be back again at 2 p.m. today talking all about how to present yourself and your brand with fashion without breaking the bank and some great fashion tips on building your brand and photo shoots. So for those of you who would like to connect with me or with Chris, please go to www.groundedrootswellness.ca. And we have our two Facebook pages. So the one is Grounded Roots Wellness Inc. And you can also follow me on my Sam Black Certified Psychic Medium and Wellness page. And that's where I do a lot of my um, wellness coaching, but also Monday Intuition, which everybody seems to really love. So follow me there, connect with us. and. Thank you so much for joining us. We're having such a great time with this series, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you all. Take good care.